Hi everyone and thank you for joining me for the next chapter of the Positive Mind Positive Ride podcast. This one I I love doing. I really really love doing all the research. Um it's it's what I'm trying to do is give you all you guys um simple nice techniques to help you improve your mindset to uh, just smash your equestrian goals really go for it. I don't want to get all complicated. I can if need be talk about the neuroscience, talk about neural pathways, neuroplasticity, all the theory behind it all. And but I have to be honest, I find all that stuff really, really dry and it's it's like wading through treacle. It's just such hard work and I want to keep you interested. I want you to have some nice powerful techniques that I know work that will improve your mindset to go out there and achieve more than you ever thought possible. So today's one is all about the power and science behind rituals. And the great one about this is um, you don't actually have to believe in the superstitions behind it. Um, I'm a very pragmatic person. I like things black and white. I like evidence-based stuff. Um, But the great one about this is we'll talk about it. Um, We'll talk about how placebos work and i am fascinated by placebos i have to be honest so let's crack on let's talk about the power and science behind rituals in sport and how they can help you improve your mindset to become high performance high achieving equestrian sports people so let's look at what is a ritual in sport okay a ritual in sport can be defined as a certain behavior or action that a sports performer carries out with The important word with the belief that those behaviours have a specific purpose or power to influence their performance. Many sports performers believe that performing a specific ritual before a competition improves the outcome of their performance. In this podcast, we'll look at the benefits and the evidence because the evidence is most important to me. I like evidence based stuff. Supporting using a ritual to improve your performance and confidence and quell those pesky pre-performance nerves. Do you see all those P's there? And I pronounced them very well. Okay. I grew up in Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool supporter. And I grew up with the likes of Kenny Dalglish, Graham Souness, showing my age now. And as they entered the field, they were all touched. They all touched this, this is Anfield sign, very famous sign. And they, it, they believed that would bring them luck. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about those superstitions, those rituals, and they are prevalent. Lots of peas today um, throughout sport. You know, there are some really, really high profile, high performance um, sports people out there that use um, these rituals in NLP. And we can talk about NLP if you wish, uh, neuro linguistic programming which I, um, you know, I, I hold a master's practitioner certificate in it, which is, it is the highest qualification in there. The next one is master trainer, but I already have training qualifications in hypnotherapy and hypnosis. So I didn't do the training qualification for NLP. It doesn't mean I can't train it. It just means I haven't got the qualification to do it. In NLP, we talk about um, modeling excellence. NLP was all about modeling. They modeled, uh, the, the fans of NLP modeled high performance, high performing therapists and taught those tools to other therapists so they got the same results. This is very much about the same thing. We're talking about modeling excellence. That if you do 
use the same tools and techniques as high performance sports people, you will get similar results, particularly in mindset. So rituals is all about that. So let's look at the research and evidence behind rituals. <clears throat> Greg Steinberg of the Austin Pay State University studies human performance in sports. Now, from his time as an athlete, he noticed that the best players had to handle on their emotions and could rebound from bad breaks. And one seemingly silly tool athletes use to cope is good luck charms. So those, those lucky, that lucky hat, those, I'm not obsessed with lucky pants, honestly, those lucky pants, those, 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 that lucky hat silk, you know, your lucky vest, they all work. Okay, but just imagine what it would be like if you had a handle on your emotions pre-competition or pre-getting on the horse. You know, I've talked about this before. Horses are so emotive, they pick up our emotions. So just how much more could you achieve just by being more confident, having being in a, a much, um, much more resourceful state? Now... <clears throat> Psychological scientists at the University of Cologne found that participants who had a lucky charm demonstrated improved performance in golfing, in motor dexterity, memory and anagram games. Now, you might say, well, we're equestrians, Neil. But if, you know, golf is a mind game and I believe so is equestrian sports. I think it's all about the mind. You know, our, our horses look to us for leadership. So if we're in a, a great place in our minds and our emotions, then it stands to reason that the horses are going to be more confident and perform better. The authors, the authors proposed that being in the presence, i.e. having a lucky charm, versus the absence, not having one, of a personal lucky charm leads to improved performance by boosting people's belief in their ability to master a task or self-efficacy. It's all about that belief system again, but you don't actually have to believe. You know, we're going to talk about um, why drug companies have to do double blind, double blind testing. The boost in self-efficacy from a lucky charm in turn leads to higher set self-set goals and increased persistence which both further improve performance. So you can see for yourself that the, there are benefits to having a lucky charm. Um, and why not, you know, why not have that lucky hat, those, those lucky socks? I promise I won't mention lucky pants again. So <laughs> here we go. So whether you wear lucky underwear, grow a playoff beard, um, for those of you that can, or a lucky beard, beards are so fashionable these days i can't grow one because i'm only five foot four i've got gray hair and i would look like a gnome so that one's out plus i'm the only bloke on the yard so i would probably be the only person that could grow a lucky beard and whether you listen to pre-game pump up jams do the hacker dance now i think that should be brought up brought into every dressage test before you get on or a slow clap the science so far shows that observing these rituals will help you bring your A-game, no matter how obscure or silly they may seem. Now, don't worry, I am not going, going to insist. But if you can, if you want to, you send a video of you doing a hacker dance before you get on your horse. So, 
Does the pre-performance ritual work? Many athletes, particularly those with higher profiles, engage in some sort of ritual or superstition before a game, match or race. These rituals, which are thought to help prepare athletes mentally for their pending performance, lots of P's in there again, are often coined with some magical significance to bring good luck. I don't want to argue for or against their higher power here. The most important thing is the person performing, more P's, the ritual or using a lucky charm believes it will help them. And it is all about your belief system. For instance, tennis champion Serena Williams is known to go through a list of rituals before each game, including tying shoelaces a specific way, bouncing the ball five times before her first serve and twice before her second. Now, I read an interview by Charlotte Dujardin a while ago, and she's admitted to wearing a pair of lucky breeches. So you can tell that top performers use these things. Now, if they're good enough for top performers, they're good enough for us. Okay, the pre-performance routine of the ritual helps improve the athlete's confidence, which is all important, which has a direct impact on hers, his or her performance. So it's all about confidence, but it isn't also. The ritual also can help. It can help quell pre-performance nerves. Evidence suggests that pre-performance routines can help athletes focus, remove distractions and facilitate performance. For example, pre-serve routines in tennis help a player focus and visualise their shots before a match starts. Now, I'd take a minute and just think about how a ritual can help you with your dressage test. Um... You know, with your cross-country rounds, with your show jumping, or whatever discipline you have. I know what I use it for. I always find myself a quiet spot somewhere. Um, I meditate for five minutes. Um, I practice mindfulness. I do have, um, I have quiet music on my, on my phone to bring my energy right down. And I visualize about what, how well, I visualize at the end how well it's gone. Sprinters and long jumpers use high energy music, like I said, I use calming music, to become mentally excited before a meet. Similarly, basket players use calming meditative techniques, like taking deep breaths and dropping their shoulders to release muscle tension before making free throw shots. Now, one of the techniques that I teach, and I will put this on the group at some point, is the Benson relaxation response. And that's learning to relax at any point using a trigger word. And I'm going to teach you guys that at some point and I'll make a podcast of that as well. So, like I said, have a think about a ritual or routine you can use before you get on. You know, nobody needs to know you're doing it. And I will talk about imposter syndrome and et cetera, et cetera, in, in weeks and months to come. I'm going to keep adding to these things. But it doesn't matter if you feel like an imposter. It's what's important to you that matters, what works for you. So let's look at recent research into the effectiveness of rituals. Recent research suggests that rituals may be more rational than they appear. And when I first looked at it, I thought, yeah, right, this is all full of woo and magic stuff and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just the way my mind works. It doesn't kind of compute that way. Why? Well, because even simple rituals, and I love simplicity, can be extremely effective. Rituals performed after experiencing losses from loved ones to lotteries do alleviate grief. And there's evidence out there that proves this. 
and rituals performed before high-pressure tasks like competing or singing in public do in fact reduce anxiety and increase people's confidence. What's more, rituals appear to benefit even people who claim not to believe that rituals work. How weird is that? But the evidence and research is there. In one recent experiment, people received a lucky golf ball or an ordinary golf ball and then performed a golf task. The people who performed with the lucky golf ball outperformed those who had ordinary had the ordinary golf ball. In another ta- in another test, people performed a motor dexterity task and they were asked to simply start the game or heard the researchers say, I'll cross fingers for you before starting the game. The superstitious rituals enhanced people's confidence in their abilities, motivated greater effort and improved subsequent performance. Now that's what we're all about, isn't it? We're all about increasing our performance as sports men and women are becoming high performance people. These findings are consistent with research in sports psychology, demonstrating the performance benefits of pre-performing routines. Again, lots of peace from improving at, from improving attention and execution to increasing emotional stability and confidence. Now think about what that could do in a dressage test. So as you can see, there is lots of bona fide research behind the use of pre-performance rituals to prove they really work. They work because of how our belief system works. Our belief systems can be amazingly powerful things. And throughout history, you can see how powerful they can be. You only have to look at the power of the placebo in medicine to see how our belief system works. If you really want to get all woo about it and all funky about it, you can look at voodoo curses. Did these curses really have the power to create illness or death? Or was it because the person who was on the receiving end of the curse believed it would? Our belief systems are amazingly powerful. Now, even if you don't believe in lucky charms or rituals, they will still work. This is a strange phenomenon, and I know. With lots and lots of research into it, and that's why big pharmaceutical companies use a double-blind test when trying drugs, because they will actually tell them that it's a placebo or not a placebo. And even when they know it's placebo, the drugs, the, the placebo can still help. It's it's all about that belief system. So what are the next steps? Now that we've re- we have explored rituals, the next step would be to create a simple simple ritual for yourself that works for you. And it's important. It has to feel comfortable for you. It has to work for you. This is your ritual. Now, you may already have a ritual. And if you do, then you can take some time to think about how you can make it even more powerful. If you don't, then take a few minutes to explore setting one up for yourself or even go out there and buy yourself that lucky pair of pants you've always promised yourself. Thank you very much for listening and I hope this helps. I'd love to hear some feedback. Even a video of you doing a hacker before you ride a horse would be amazing. I shall see you all soon. Thank you.